As we begin to reintegrate into the world post-lockdown, we're confronted with the fact that our lives are not the same as they were before 2020. And with that comes the realization that a lot of us have to relearn, rebuild, and restart. Struggling to do so myself, I wondered how other people are able to rise from the ashes of crumbled moments throughout their lifetime. I'm Rebecca Lee, and this is season two. How the fuck did you bounce back? Hey, Sammy, thank you so, so much for giving me an hour of your time on a weekend, nonetheless. Oh, my God. Thank you for having me. I am excited and nervous to <laughs> talk about mental health. Uh, you're not the first person to say that. Uh, <laughs> yeah. It, uh, so uh, join the club. But um, yep. Yep. Uh, so happy to have you. Um, let's just let's just go for it. Let's just let's get, get in. It. Let's get it deep. Can you think of a moment, a time period, an instance in your life um, that was an obstacle or a low point that you're most proud of overcoming? And it can be, you know, childhood, you know, young adult, adult yesterday. It could be whatever you want. <laughs> um, okay. I, let me tell you, this question sent me spiraling. <laughs> <laughs> And I, I, it's, it's good. I, I spiral quite frequently, so it's not an uncommon place for me to be. And I actually like, usually I learn something at the end of it. So this is good. This is Great. good for me to do. We love um, just starting off in a spiral. <laughs> um, but it's cause I thought about it and I feel like I'm kind of in a constant state of bouncing back mm -hmm. of just new, um, obstacles and I never feel like I've fully you know when I think about bouncing back it's it sounds to me like uh being who you were before which I know isn't probably anybody's experience of bouncing back but right. um so I just feel like I'm in, in this constant state of like change and growth and um yeah, I was like, have I bounced back from anything? I, I've, which is so funny because I feel like I've faced a lot of like hard times, but, mm -hmm. um, but I, I don't know. I feel like my brain scrambles them into one big, uh, thing. So, yeah. but anyway, so I, I, as you can see, like, this is how my brain spirals and I get like overwhelmed when I think too hard about things. So I, I parsed it down a bit for us. And so I have, I have some starting points for us. Wow. Love it. You're already more prepared than every single person. So, okay. uh, great, so, great. And, and, you're, and you're, and that's right. Like bouncing back does sound like, Oh, let's get back to the version we were before, but that's not the case. And in fact, if that is the case, that like, isn't even growth or right change it's just like going backwards almost so like I've yeah, never it's... heard it phrased like that before but you're totally right so it's it's like yeah with every challenge or low point it's like an opportunity to grow and change is that like something that's important to you growth and change as a person yes um I'd say I'm pretty much in a constant pursuit of it almost detrimentally oh. so it to the point where I like I very easily fall into traps of like 
buying 10 self-help books at once and being like, and it becomes its own source of anxiety for me of like, oh God, like I'm not perfectly healed yet. <laughs> yep. I relate to that so much. It's like, oh, I'm healing wrong. This is not the right way to yes. heal. Yeah. Yep. I completely relate to that. Are you like an overachiever? Does that like resonate with you at all? Yeah. Big time perfectionist and overachiever and think that I need to be um, like producing my best work and my being my best self in order to be valuable in the world. And like part of my brain knows that obviously that's not true. (laughs) And then part of my brain really believes it. (laughs) And so it's a constant um, oscillating between those two feelings of, of just being like, well, the, the pull is so strong of those um, deeply held beliefs of, yeah, that perfectionism. Cause you know, they come from childhood and they're so deeply, deeply rooted. So yes, they do that, um, that Does neural that's... pathway is really well formed. Oh for yeah. Me. It's like a fucking river carved out. Uh, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I relate to that. It, Does that stop the, the sort of like in, in your words, like perfectionist, um, attribute that you feel, does that help you grow more or do you feel like it hinders your growth? Cause like the people that I've talked to, sometimes it keeps them from like learning new skills. Cause they're like, Oh, I'm not going to be good at this at first. So like, I'm just not going to do it. Right. But it seems like from knowing you, it seems like you aren't like that. And like, you want to learn new skills and it doesn't bother you if you're like, not you know, yes. in so, the Meryl Streep of whatever at the moment. It's true, but it's, it's the thing that I do is I love starting things and not finishing them. And mm. so I'm a super curious person. I love learning new things. I love doing new um, activities and hobbies, and I'm always kind of changing those things, but then I never finish them because I get, um, frustrated like for example I I, not recently I guess this was like eight years ago or so but uh started taking adult violin lessons (laughs) that's rad that's kind of a a a perfect example of the kind of thing I will do for five months ish and then oh my god my violin class was so funny I had to do a performance and it was mostly like six-year-old children and their parents in the audience and then because the teacher has students of all um ages mostly children again and then our adult violin class came up and we were so bad and we had to perform a scale together uh, or individually together we performed a scale because we couldn't do any songs Oh my God. It was so funny. That's very funny that they just were like, yeah, you have to do a recital with six-year-olds and oh my God. Uh, that's and part like of the requirements. Very talented six-year-olds, very talented six-year-olds. <laughs> oh my God. What made you want to take violin? Um, I think that it's, it's the same thing that makes me do all of these different things of just this, um, curiosity and I kind of see something and, decide I want to try it. And I feel like it's coming from that same place that even like getting the self-help books is coming. It's like that kind of quest for something to make me feel good that's outside of myself. So Mm -hmm. I think I avoided doing any type of internal 
reflection for a long time. I was like, well, maybe my answer to all my problems is I just need to play violin. <laughs> That'll, maybe that will solve everything. <laughs> I relate to that so much. I too do that same exact thing. I was taking drum lessons for like five months and then I was like, yeah, like, I'm, this is going to solve my shit. I'm going to be more creative. I'm going to like, maybe this will be a new career path. And it's yeah, like, exactly. You, know, you stop doing it like other things. Do you like, where does that come from? Like the stopping? Is it like, you don't seem like you have ADHD. Cause that's like the first thing I think of when I think of like stopping. You know, things. I got diagnosed with ADHD last year. Oh, and fuck, okay. It's still something that I have like imposter syndrome about because mm-hmm. it's weird to get that diagnosis like in your 30s. Mm-hmm. Um and so I don't I don't know <laughs> for sure. Yeah. I think I do, but yeah, it so many things of so many things about ADHD really really resonated with me as as I got this diagnosis. I kind of again spiraled if you can believe it. <laughs> and uh but then I like found myself looking for just again, I just found myself feeling those feelings again of being like, well, are you sure that you do? Like, are you, I feel like an imposter even in this, cause mm-hmm. then I'll, I'll look at these diagnosis uh, criteria here and be like, well, that's not exactly right. So do you have that? <laughs> Is this correct? But that said, it, it it could play a part certainly in why yeah. I I think that is how a little you, bit how my how brain did works. How you get that diagnosis? Like through my therapist, just from her talking to me, she was like, "I think that you might have this." Interesting. So I didn't go to a, an ADHD specialist for the diagnosis. So that's the like lingering question mark is is like I'm still in my brain, like you know maybe not, but sh- my therapist is great and knows me well, and so I do trust her. <laughs> yeah. Uh, how long have you been going to therapy? Um, on and off for probably ten years. Mm. This past time was very much driven by COVID, mm. and so now it's been about three years ish with this therapist, or I guess like two and a half. Um. But yeah, I really, I love therapy. Therapy's the best. It's the best. What made you want to start uh, going 10 years ago? Um, I went in college at some point and literally I can't even remember why I started going then. Um, but probably something bad was happening. I think like most things I, <laughs> in times of stress, go searching for answers. And um, so... Yeah, I think I can't remember what it was initially, but I liked it uh, pretty much right away. And then just based on whatever was happening in my life would uh, decide whether or not I was in therapy or I had one therapist that I I went to for years and years. And then she just, she like ghosted me. And I have pretty severe abandonment issues. So it was like, <laughs> it was really crazy. What the fuck? And then I heard from her again, like five months later. And she was like, oh, I went on sabbatical. I told you. I was like, no, you didn't. <laughs> what? Oh my God. And so I stopped going to her because that really upset me. Yeah, that's very upsetting. 
Yeah. Um, and so that was the previous therapist before this one. And so then I wasn't in therapy for a couple of years. And then, yeah, during COVID just was not doing well in the beginning there. So I was like, well, I need to go back, back to therapy. Yeah. What uh, do you find yourself? I have so many questions. I'm just, I can't, mm-hmm. I have to write them down or I'm going to forget them. Um, do you ever find yourself in therapy? Like I say this cause like I was like this and which is why I had mm-hmm. to switch therapist. I think we might've talked about this, but I don't, I don't like when we were hanging out, but I don't remember. Yeah. Um, do you ever find yourself like wanting your therapist to like, maybe not like you, but like be like, Oh, look, she's doing a good job at like her mental health or like do you yes. find yourself wanting to do that or doing Cause that. Cause I want that from everybody. Yeah. I know. <laughs> yeah, of course. Um, and so, yeah, that's probably a big part of my work to do <laughs> Me too. is, um, to, I, I, I've, even like recently, I guess forever. Yeah. It's like seeking that external validation from, um, anything like people or, um, like doing well at work and having that be recognized by like how many people viewed the thing that you did or, or whatever it may be. Mm-hmm. I feel like that's kind of a constant thing that I need to pay attention to is how much value I put in those things and I can find that uh, myself getting really unanchored if I um put too much stock in that for sure yeah it's hard not to like equate your career to like your identity or like your worth when we live in a society who like that like doesn't even support like uh like maternity leave stuff or like paid maternity leave or whatever it's like always like the capital it's all rooted in like capitalism and it sucks because like we are so much more than our careers, but it really sucks. And actually the, the like thing that I thought about a, a proud moment for me that I think was a turning point in my life was I wanted to be a trailer editor, movie trailer editor. And I got basically my dream job out of college, um, edit. Well, I started as a as a PA, like runner, and then worked my way up to assistant editor. I was there for three years or so and finally got to uh, being an editor. And over the course of those three years, the amount of like exhausting work, like the way they just grind you down and expect everything from you. Like when I got hired, they said, you don't have children, right? You don't have any other responsibilities. <laughs> that was their like requirement God. for hiring me. And I would see other editors who had worked there for their whole lives that were in, you know, their fifties or how, how like with their own kids and how stressed they still were and how much toll this job had taken on on them and there was one guy I was working with one night we were there till like two in the morning and he was like oh you know what like I've never seen my baby awake like he had a, a two-month-old and he's like I I leave and she's sleeping and I come home and she's sleeping and I was wow. like wow I was like all right I don't like this at all I don't want to be here anymore and um, I decided to quit, which was a really scary decision. Cause it was like, well, wait, this is my dream job. This is what I like pictured my life being. And now that I'm here, it's so bad. And I don't want it at all. 
<laughs> and I was so, so, so scared to quit. Um, I set a date to quit that was like two months ahead and lost so much sleep those two months. <laughs> I was so stressed and I finally did it. And I had just this absolute euphoria of, it, it, I felt like it was the first time really in my life that I had like concrete evidence that I could make choices that were good for me and not about, you know, making other people happy because like so much of my working mentality was, you know, like impress my boss, impress this, like do that. And, uh, yeah, this was just a, a big turning point for me, a real like aha moment of like, wait, I get to be in control of my life. Mm. And yeah, so that was a very proud moment for me. And, um, but even like going back to what I just said, what I was saying earlier about like not feeling fully bounced back is that my brain can then discredit myself even in that and be like well you're still editing and you still work too hard and I could still fall into that same trap um but I'm so much more I have such better boundaries with work now mm. which again not perfect but like I'm so much more aware of it and I feel like I have bigger like I have more um like hard nose and <laughs> and it it makes me feel a lot less resentful in work when I can be like, oh no, I'm not going, I'm absolutely not going to work on the weekends. Like that's just something that I won't do. Mm -hmm. And um, so that's just been a good learning experience for me that has gone into obviously other parts of my life as well. And having good boundaries is important in all aspects of life. Yeah. Is that something that like you had to work on learning like boundaries or is that something you experienced in your um, childhood? Yes. Um, I feel like I had a pretty codependent relationship in childhood with my mom. I'm a single child or single child, only <laughs> child, single mom. So there was a lot of enmeshment there mm -hmm. and have had codependent relationships, codependent friendships, and really only recently have been, um, have kind of broken that cycle a bit. And again, not even necessarily by cho choice. It was, I feel like kind of COVID <laughs> oh, yeah. forced me to like be alone so much. And, um, I still like all the time feel that desire for that codependency and like, God, I really wish like someone were here constantly to, for me to be able to, um, like share every thought in my head with yeah. <laughs> like, cause it's like, uh, something I'm so used to doing. And so it's been really hard to have that, but it's been, I, I feel like I've changed or like grown more in the last couple of years than ever before in life. It's just probably true for a lot of people, but, uh, but yeah, boundaries are, are a relatively new discovery for me. Yeah, me too. And I, I also, um, feel like, oh, the past couple of years have been like the growth in the past couple of years has been so big compared to yeah. what it was before. And like, it must be because of COVID. Part of me is like, oh, is it because I'm getting older? Like maybe, but also yeah, I maybe really, a bit of both. I really do think that like COVID, it it probably mostly 
COVID. Um, how did you deal with, well, well ugh, I have so many questions. Did you, do you, before COVID, did you um, uh, identify as like a codependent person? Um, probably yes. I had a codependent relationship and you mean, did I have like the self-awareness of it? Either. Like, do, do you feel like, even like looking back, do you feel like you were a codependent person? Maybe not like you knew that you were, but like now in retrospect, in hindsight, you were like, oh yeah, I was codependent at that time. It's really interesting. And this is something I think about a lot because I definitely have codependent, those codependent tendencies, but I also have this kind of like hyper independence like mm -hmm. I real but like all, like to a toxic level sometimes it's like not good like I really struggle to ask for help and let people know what I'm feeling and so I in like a romantic codependent relationship I'm like super codependent with this person but also always have these walls up like I I I only again recently have gotten more in touch with like my own feelings and being able to um access those parts of myself and so when I was in this relationship it's like I've only realized now how hard that must have been for my partner because I was so we were so opposites I was so like um walls up like anytime we fight I'm just like silent absolutely silent my my uh trauma response or whatever is freeze mm -hmm. yep <laughs> and uh they would uh yell and get mad and get angry and it was just a really bad dynamic but I in my head for so long was like well he's the bad one he was yelling right <laughs> and it took me a really long time to realize how harmful it also is to just be completely silent and not be able to share your feelings with that person um and so yeah that's that's something that I'm realizing now of this, that I have this codependent tendency, but that I'm also, um, I guess what I'm trying to do now is foster some independence without going too far in the other direction of like, right. I don't need anybody and I'll just like be in my house by myself all day because that's also very bad and feels very bad <laughs> yeah I mean do you feel like for me hearing you talk it's like I feel that way because I feel like my emotions are kind of like a pendulum like I'm mm -hmm. either like very codependent or or if I'm trying I correct too much and I like will will yep. then go and like to the hyper independent thing yep. um yep is exactly that, is that were you like that as a kid were you codependent and also like hyper independent I think so. I mean, I think my mom and I had a very um, co codependent relationship. And then, yes, I also would um, do a lot of things myself and um, really prided myself on being so independent. And it's, it's something I struggle with because it still is something I'm proud of, of like how well I'm able to take care of myself and do all of those things. But um again, I just tr like try not to veer too far in that direction of like, I'm, I, I've started to see the n negative sides of like hyper independence and that there needs to be a balance of, 
um, admitting that you do need other people because we are humans and social creatures and that's important. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So yeah, that's something I'm still, I guess, um, figuring out how to, um, where the, where the healthy point is for the pendulum to land there. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Does that go, you mentioned like abandonment stuff. Does that go hand in hand with the abandonment stuff? Um, the codependence and independence? Um, yes, I would, I think so. Cause I think it's, it's certainly where the, my perfectionism comes from and that mm-hmm. like belief of like, well, I need to be perfect so that nobody ever wants to leave me. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and that then leads to that seeking of reassurance from the people around me, which I feel like is what kind of fed into some of my codependent relationships of not being able to trust myself and having to like needing someone else to be the one to tell me that I'm good and like doing well or funny or whatever it might be like not being able to believe those things about myself and needing to hear them from someone else I feel exactly the same everything you're saying I'm like yep I feel that way I feel that way I feel that way but like this like self-trust thing is something that like I'm just now learning yeah and I also come from abandonment issues I also come from like a codependent narcissistic household and so it's like I for me I never had to develop self-trust because having a narcissistic parent, you do what they say, because if you don't, they will withhold love. So it's like, I never had to like make my own decisions or, uh, trust my judgment at all because like, I didn't have the, the like internal compass. It was just Mm -hmm. like the parent who was like, do it this way. And so I was like, yeah. So like as an adult, having to develop this trust of self, is really hard. Like I wish that I developed it sooner because I I feel like a late bloomer in that regard. Yeah. Same. Yeah. It is, um, a bizarre realization. I've had so many like moments these past couple of years of just being like, Whoa, this is crazy that I've like never identified this before. And I do feel yeah behind, but at the same time, grateful that it's happening now, like it could have continued. And so it's, you know, at least we're, on, yeah, on that path now. I like, I like find myself being like, um, trying, like needing someone to like be like, oh yeah, that's the right way to do things. Like mm-hmm. I'll do it, and I'm, but I'm like, but I need someone else to like reaffirm the fact that like this is the correct choice, this is the oh correct way, God. and I don't want to have that. I know that's like the beginning of COVID. That was my whole stressful thing. Is I I live alone, and it was just like so hard to be operating in a vacuum and I would have like moments of uh derealization where I'd be like literally do I exist like I don't know if I exist (laughs) so there's nobody here for me to uh to like tell me that I do and yeah I mean that's something that I for sure still am working on on yeah that self-trust and that like self-soothing and that being like no you you're you're fine everything's good (laughs) yeah because yeah I can really feel really 
unanchored if I'm by myself for too long. I mean, I we weren't by ourselves for too long. That is true. Right. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, that was a that was a wild time. Yeah, I was gonna ask you, like, okay, so you lived by yourself, and I know that at that time you were not you had not been in therapy just like right then until COVID happened, right? Yeah, I think that was kind of what prompted the therapy was those feelings of um, so desperately flailing, trying to like grab onto anything of just like, what is happening? Who am I? Where am I? What's going on? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Do you feel like during COVID was, because like at, t- at the time I did not live alone. And so like I, and I could only imagine how that is. So I'm curious as to like what your experience was was that like one of the harder seasons of your life? Was it hard in the beginning, but then you got used to it? How did you, if it was really hard the whole time, how did you deal with that? I think it was really hard in the beginning. Yeah. I, um, I think it was just a matter of like going deeper into myself than I ever have before. I think just the quantity of time spent in my head, Mm what and and then coupled with obviously going to therapy at that time recognizing that I needed help and that I needed um I needed that support um it was just it was the right time for me to really look within myself and um through that through therapy, I feel like I was able to build some healthy practices that then made things feel a little bit less scary. Once you were, it felt, you know, safer to socialize again. Um, a, a big learning thing for me has been to ask people to hang out and not mm. wait for people to ask you to hang out. That was something that uh, I would like feel so sorry for myself. Like nobody wants to hang out with me and then be like, ask them to hang out. And it turns out that they do want to hang out with you. Yeah. <laughs> it's so <Yeah>. stupid. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but again, yeah, that goes into the like, um, not asking for help and that like hyper independence mindset. That's hard for me to break of like well no I don't need help and it's like no but you do though Mm -hmm. (laughs) and you do need to like um advocate for yourself in that way and so yeah so I'd say it was really scary in the beginning and yeah probably one of the darker moments of my life (laughs) and it's gotten less scary but um because I feel like I opened that can of worms it's still it's ongoing mm-hmm. <laughs> and but i'm i'm happy that it is ongoing because it's um made me feel closer to myself than i ever have mm-hmm. before yeah yeah uh yeah it's sometimes i mean i feel like we grow the most after a, a difficult time like i feel like i learn more by hitting a low than I do hitting Mm -hmm. a high, Mm -hmm. um, which like sucks, but like, I do think that's like true. Yeah. Um, I tend to also go to kind of, um, extremes when I have a low, like, Mm. like I've done, um, after 
after getting divorced, I went on a 10 day silent retreat. <laughs> like I'll do shit like that where it's like, <laughs> I well, love that though. <laughs> well, time to go do a silent retreat. Okay, wait, like, I have to know what, how I've heard of it. I, I, I know the gist of it, but for people who don't know what that is, like take us through. Um, so I would say it's actually probably not a great idea to do in times of, of great distress. <laughs> okay, great. We love great. Now I know that that's helpful for me. Yeah. There were a few people that, that left cause it, it's really hard. You just go and are silent for 10 days. They take away your phone. You're not allowed to read. You're not allowed to write. You're not allowed to make eye contact with anybody. It's what? there. You're supposed to be feel like you're by yourself like it's supposed to be a very individual experience when you're walking around outside you look at the ground so you make sure you don't look at anybody else you meditate for 13 hours a day like sit like sitting meditation like just sitting in the same spot or you move it's it's uh you you get up at 5 a.m to do your morning two hours I think and then it's breakfast and you go to the cafeteria and have your breakfast and then you go back and do more meditating holy shit it's wild. It was really, really crazy. And 10 days is so long. It's really long, but I will say that uh, the first three days are absolute hell. So there are three-day versions, but I would not recommend that because it's just all of the bad part like it's before it would it it's all of the work without any of the rewards. So right, don't do okay. a th- don't do a three-day one. Got it. Uh because day four for me was like magical (laughs) and it felt to me as if I thought every single thought in the first three days (laughs) like my brain was just like to the point where I felt like absolutely insane and then the fourth day my mind just was empty it was like my brain had cycled through all of my thoughts and there was none left to think and I truly, there was, we, you do like a walking meditation at one point where you're just walking in circles. And I was just looking at the clouds thinking they're so beautiful and like feeling like it was a little like um, uh, rainy and feeling the dampness on my skin. And that was like all I thought about for the whole day. And it was so <laughs> incredible. But then as the end approaches, you start getting, um, that busy mind again so the so the middle days are the best and then as it's like getting closer to going home then you're like oh my god we're going home we're going home what am I gonna eat what am I gonna (laughs) I can't believe that you have days where you don't think about anything except like what's the nature around you or you know I mean it's so crazy to me it it might be different for everybody that was how that's how it was for me there are people that will just um, spend one of the whole days crying. I think it's a really personal experience and I'm really, really glad I did it. I remember thinking when I finished it, I'm never fucking doing that again. Really? (laughs) But now that it's been like years, I'm like, should I do that again? Maybe I'll do that again. (laughs) Okay. So you don't regret doing it. So like, would you recommend, would you recommend this to do some, to somebody? I would say if you are the type of person who, feels okay with the thought of going inward for that long. I'd say maybe having some amount of meditation practice beforehand is a good idea. Um, cause it's really 
going in the deep end if you don't. Um, but yeah, I'd recommend it. I mean, it was a really, really interesting experience. Um, it's also, it was like, not that this <laughs> should play a part in it, but it was also free. It was like do <laughs> donation based. Yeah. I, I mean, I paid them, but um, in my, yeah, like, cause in my head, I'm like, oh, that must be a couple grand like right. outside of Los Angeles, you know? Yeah. That, I mean, that's what I thought too, but it's, it's all donation based. And um, so it was just a really, yeah, it was a really wild thing to do, but yeah, that's the kind of thing that I'll do in those moments of stress to like help help me process it but it's again sometimes I'm like not sure if these are good ways to cope because it's just this really um extreme thing that I'm just like well let me just try this and yeah. see what happens it does sound like the ultimate version of like letting go um which and, and also like, it sounds like that is what those in between days, it sounds like that is what the goal, if there is a goal, uh, for meditation mm -hmm. is, is like emptying your mind and being so present. Mm -hmm. Um, do you feel like you're, well, did you meditate before slash do you meditate now? Yeah, I did meditate before I do meditate now. Um, not a ton. It's you know, it's a practice. <laughs> I go, I go in and out of it, but I do like meditating and, um, it takes a while for me to actually, well, okay. The whole, I guess the whole point of meditating is just observing your thoughts and like being non-judgmental with yourself and, um, bettering that like lens at which to like see yourself in. And so, um, I was going to say it takes me a while to get to that place of having an actual silent mind, which is not the point of meditating. And mm. that's actually something that they taught in the meditation retreat is that that desire for pleasure or aversion to pain is, the like root of unhappiness and that it has to be acceptance of just everything as it is. Mm. That's like, that's the, that's the good stuff. <laughs> Wait. So like the point of, okay, then I, this is this, wrong. this is this specific kind of meditation at this retreat, which right. now I, now I don't, it's, I think it's called Vipassana. Okay. Um, but it's so, still, it's not to have a, have an empty mind. It's to have a mind that will let thoughts and feelings come and go. Yes. Okay. And, because like there were even things like because you're sitting and meditating for two hours it starts to hurt of sitting on the ground in a right. cross-legged position for that long and that's supposed to be part of it of just like observing the pain and not um reacting to it which I don't want to like recommend this for everybody I don't know it sounds like talk to your doctors <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah absolutely <laughs> but um um, but that was this particular meditation's teachings was just being, uh, knowing that everything is temporary. Mm. And so you can sit in that pain. If your like back is hurting, they're like, obviously, you know, move if it's like excruciating, but try not to. And because it will end it, everything comes to an end at some point. And mm -hmm. so that was, that was the lesson being taught. Yeah. Which is like the ultimate acceptance is like 
that I feel like the the things that we can all agree on are like, okay, well, the only thing that is constant is change and everything comes to an end like Mm -hmm. that as like nihilistic or pessimistic or whatever that sounds like I do feel like those are ultimate truths I find it so soothing too I remember that was something after the um retreat like I felt like I just kept saying that like everything comes to an end like isn't that so relaxing (laughs) yeah (laughs) that's so nice yeah Um, so I do think that there is some some relief in that knowledge um, but on the flip side, cause the, the relief, I guess, comes from bad things coming to an end, but on the flip side of it, it's like good things come to an end too. And mm-hmm. so that was the other thing of like, if you do reach this state of bliss in meditation where, cause it, you do some sort of like focusing on your body where you can feel like, um, little, like nice, pleasant tingles and it can feel really good. And then, but then you'll have that moment of being like, oh, it's really good. It's really good. Like uh, I'm doing it right. And like, I got to hold on to this moment. <laughs> and it's like, that moment is also going to end. Yep. And so it's the being okay with the good and the bad and knowing, yeah, that they're both going to come to an end. Yeah. That was, it, is it like ASMR tingles? Is that what it feels like? Or do you, have you never watched ASMR? I'm just assuming you have, but you, maybe you haven't. Um, I don't know. Tingle. I think of it's, it's, do you feel like tingles in your body in yeah. ASMR? Yeah. No, I'm not aware of this. I'm going to have oh, to watch more ASMR. Best. Yeah. It's the best. You get like the good feeling tingles and that's why it's so addicting. Um, why did you, I know you said it was after your divorce, but like, is there a specific reason why you wanted to do a silent retreat? Um, Yes, there was a book I read, a self-help book, if you can believe it, <laughs> where the author went to one and um, that I think planted the seed. And then I had met someone that I went to a regular meditation retreat that wasn't a um, silent retreat a couple years before and someone there had recommended it as well. And so it just had been in in the back of my mind as something I was curious about and wanted to try and just chose a time of distress to do it in. And yeah. Is there anything you can be like, I was this way before and now I'm this way. I don't know if that, like, I don't know if the silent meditation is a big enough, uh, landmark in your life to be like I was this way before I am this way now and maybe there's something other than that that you can attribute it to but like that just seems like such an intense experience um no I don't think there's anything that I was like fundamentally changed about me but it was it was um I think just another experience of of doing something outside of my comfort zone that then all of these things make me feel, I feel like more um, like, is it even confident in myself? It's like, it, they, they like make me feel proud that I did something that it seems really scary. And that most people I say to like, talk about it to are like, that's wild and insane. And like, there's, um, there's, it's just like adding to 
a list of things that I've done that make me feel um, proud of myself and like proud of the, the, I don't know, ways I'm able to try new things. Mm -hmm. Cause I feel like I have so much fear in my life. I have so much fear, but then I'm also able to do things that are like that. I went on like a two week, like solo road trip across the country. I feel like I do things that are kind of take courage. Oh yeah. Big time. <laughs> Um, so I think, yeah, it's just, um, adding to that part of myself that feels proud of those types of things. And I, I like that I'm able to do those things. And so it's, it's, yeah, just makes me feel, um, yeah, just good about myself that I did it and I like trying new things. So, yeah. What are like some of the fears that you have? To not maybe not today like in this day or maybe it is but like now and this point in your life in this season of your life what are some of like the fears that you are experiencing um and like how do you deal with those um I think probably one of my biggest fears lately is like not living my life to the mm. fullest mm. Yeah. um because again that I've spent so much time inside by myself yeah. I I get really nervous that's like okay well you need to go do something yeah because <laughs> living your life inside of your apartment is not really um what life is all about I don't think <laughs> and so <laughs> not but like I mean yeah every editor that I know is inside all most of the time yeah and so I get afraid that um I'm not doing enough like memorable mm. creating enough memorable experiences in my life and so then I'll you know book a trip or do this or something like uh yeah so that's something that I feel like it's kind of on my mind a lot of am I yeah just like making the most of of my time do you feel like if you were in your head, like whatever the ultimate version of like making the most of your time, living your life to the fullest is whatever that looks like in your head. Do you feel like if you were doing that, you would be like, Ooh, <laughs> I should be making my career better. I should be like focusing on my career more because I don't feel like a sense of worth in that, in that area. Or I'm just, I just feel like if it were not if it were me, it is me as well. And like, <laughs> no matter what I do, it's hard for me to be satisfied in the thing that I'm doing. I'm always yes. like, well, I should be doing this other thing. So I feel like if I was like going on trips and like living life to what, what I consider to be like the fullest or whatever, I'd be like, yep, damn, but my career is taking a, this is taking a huge hit to my career. So it's like, I guess I'm curious if you have any experience on how to be satisfied with the current state you're in, because that is something that I struggle with. Yeah. Um, I definitely struggle with it as well. And yeah, it's hard. I mean, I feel like I've tried, you know, like gratitude journaling mm -hmm. type of thing. I don't know if this makes me sound like an asshole. doesn't really work for me. <laughs> Just not grateful for any. <laughs> no, I don't. I don't know what it is. It's it's something about the that particular 
way of measuring gratitude of like making a list of five things like doesn't really it just doesn't um I don't like feel it mm-hmm. in, in myself it's not actually cultivating the gratitude Same. and so I just I, I have stopped doing that but um it's just like taking moments to yourself and, and like looking around and being, and I think it's the same thing as writing down the lists, but (laughs) but like just doing it in a more tactical way where you're actually like seeing the things that you're grateful for, like taking a moment. This sounds probably like sad and embarrassing, but I I get it a lot with my cats. (laughs) Like when I'm like, no, you're not, you're not the first person to talk about their, your animals at all. Yeah. Like they're, they have been so, um, anchoring for me and and I I feel like um they they slow me down in that way like I can like take time to pet them Mm -hmm. (laughs) I love them so much and and I think even just looking at them and their like peaceful content little faces when I'm petting them like makes me feel a more general broad gratitude for life and like nature and those kind like and I I, I'll this I saw this trailer recently where there was a shot of an owl getting a bath and he just looked so content but so I don't know I guess I feel those moments of gratitude when I'm like looking at nature nature Mm -hmm. is something that's very very um grounding and peaceful for me and probably for most people but yeah grounding is like a very good word for it when you're when you're speaking of this how I feel like when I'm with my animal is like I get out of my head and into Mm -hmm. like just the reality of the moment Mm -hmm. and um which which I feel like is so needed for me because I spend a lot of time in my head which Mm -hmm. is not in the present moment um so I I completely relate to this this feeling that like your animal really like grounds you and and brings you back down yeah it's just something to like slow down and appreciate the moment yeah totally um I want to give you the opportunity because I know we're like getting close to an hour I you had things that you wanted to talk about bouncing back from and I started asking you questions and then I was like oh my god what if she wants to talk about something that (laughs) that we I haven't touched on yet so is there like something that you wanted to um discuss or touch on that we haven't yet touched on before and if there's Um, not that's fine because I can keep asking questions but if there is I want to give you the opportunity to talk about it well I was just I don't know if this is like again bouncing back but I was just thinking of things I was really proud of and one thing um was I was undocumented like my whole life and I recently became a citizen and I feel like that was something that was a really proud moment for me it's a weird time to feel like (laughs) pride in America (laughs) um but I think living my whole life and childhood undocumented was really hard and and really weird to have to like lie to people and lie to my school and lie to my bosses about it's like seems like not that big of a deal, but it was a really big source of stress, like my whole childhood and past my childhood. And so, um, that was 
a really big deal for me getting citizenship and yeah, I guess it's, that's, it's no, that's huge. That's yeah. really big. I'm curious about how that affected you, um, growing up. Obviously you had to like, like you said, you had to like say certain things that weren't, um, whatever the truth or honest or whatever, however you want to word that. But like, how did that take an emotional toll on you? Like in what ways did that affect you? I think that it, it feeds into this bigger thing of feeling like, where is my home? Mm. And because my mom and I moved here when I was four, none of the rest of my family lives in America. I have an uncle in Maine now, but he wasn't at the time. And so I think that was the biggest thing, not because you can't leave the country when you're undocumented. And so I couldn't see any of my family and it, it makes you feel really trapped and cut off from, um, family. And then obviously having that be like my whole life, it it's really skewed my perception of family in a way that is now I'm trying to, um, rebuild because I feel like in my brain I kind of don't value family in a way that I wish I did yeah and so that I'd say that's yeah probably the the biggest biggest way that it affected me is like uh, valuing family is like the biggest way yeah and and yeah 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 and I feel like we don't talk enough about like the fact that like if you're undocumented you can't just like leave and come back. You can't just leave the country and come back because you can't come back. Um, right. Yep. Which is like just talking to other undocumented folks, not on this podcast, just in general in life. It's like, yeah, you, you can't see your family anymore. Yeah. Which it's, it's is a very bizarre feeling of yeah. just, of just separation. And there's like an element of fear to it. Of, yeah. Am I going to get, caught I don't know existing <laughs> yep it, yeah I can imagine that like causes um you to like be on edge or to like be walking mm-hmm. on eggshells no matter if it's like in school not wanting to get in trouble in work not wanting to do something quote-unquote wrong or incorrect or getting pulled over or like anything yeah to exactly. live in a state of constant like you're just unsure of what the future is seems yep. like it'd be really really hard yeah it um it was very hard. And so even though I feel like in terms of like bouncing back, it's, it was a, it was a very uh, like bureaucratic way of bouncing back of like getting that citizenship, but there is, yeah, I guess that um, there's an emotional side to it, of course. Yeah. Um, Yeah. That's, I actually had no idea. I had, I did not know that. That also seems like it's probably very formative, formative and like made you the person that you are. Yeah. Um, Yeah. That's, that's that's wild. Um, is there as as we're approaching an hour, if you could give advice to like your younger self, what what like would you say to your younger self? And that might be like too deep and emotional. If not, then you can just like just somebody who's experiencing a hard time. But um, 
I really wish I could say to my younger self and like hear it and understand it. And I don't know a way that I would be able to say it. Um, but it would just be that you don't have to be perfect. Like you don't have to be perfect. <laughs> like you're good as you are. You're worth worthy of love. You're perfect. Yeah. <laughs> you are perfect without, you know, having straight A's without mm -hmm. doing everything, like drawing the perfect, making perfect art. Like you are perfect as you are. You don't need to, you don't need to change. Did you, did you experience like getting, did you like get in quote unquote, get in trouble a lot by like adults when you did like, this is like a very small example, but like if you spilled the milk, was it like a big deal or not really? But that's like obviously a small example of it. Um, I don't think so, but regardless, I was like, so, uh, on my best behavior, like all the time I, I was bet like, it had to do with the undocumented <laughs> thing right like, right that would make sense yeah probably I'm sure that fed into it um yeah. of just being like yeah no I can't like make a mistake in life I can't do anything wrong and so I very rarely got in trouble um mm -hmm. yeah yeah it reminds me of this like thing on TikTok that everything I talk about just goes back to TikTok. Uh, <laughs> it's like, they're doing like a version of like exposure therapy where mm -hmm. they like do weird stuff just to like random people on the streets. Like, I think there was one where a woman's just like laying down, like on a sidewalk on like kind of like a busy walking intersection. And people were just like walking by being like, what the fuck? And somebody like went and talked to her and she's like, I'm so embarrassed right now. I'm trying to do this exposure thing where like, I don't do the right thing. I do like the quote unquote, like wrong thing. And an attempt to like feel all the like fear and the feelings right. that come up and then let it pass and then go like, Oh, I already did that thing. So like this next thing isn't as challenging. Oh, that's so interesting. That was, I thought it was so interesting and ballsy because I, yeah, that sounds terrifying. I know I can't <laughs> imagine doing that. Cause I'd be like, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Like apologizing all the time. Yeah. Wild um, shit. Yeah. That's very interesting. I'm going to have to look that up. I'll send it to you. Uh, <laughs> thank you for giving me an hour of your time. I really appreciate it on a Saturday. Nonetheless, um, appreciate you having me. Thanks for listening to this episode of How the Fuck Did You Bounce Back with guest Sammy Smart. Sammy is one of the hosts of the podcast Too Scary Didn't Watch, which is a horror movie recap podcast for those too scared to watch for themselves. You can find Sammy on Instagram. Her handle is at Sammy Smart, uh, Sammy with three Ys. And then go follow the podcast. Too Scary Didn't Watch. The handle is uh, TSDW Podcast. Thanks again for listening. New episodes every Thursday. 